It's wonderful to be back with you this morning as we journey through Advent. And in fact, uh, the artwork that you've noticed the last several weeks today is the perfect passage from Isaiah about the wilderness and then the blooming in the wilderness. So it's almost as if the artwork was painted for this Sunday particularly, although it represents the entirety of Advent. So from what we heard from the prophet this morning, the wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Um, I was blessed as were my siblings to grow up with really terrific uh, parents. Uh, and I know that's not the case for everybody. Uh, it was a blessing. Our parents sacrificed for us. Um, they wanted us to thrive, uh, to be happy, to be satisfied uh, and contented. They also wanted us uh, as their children to contribute to the common good of humanity, that we would give back the blessings that we had received. And so I grew up with good models uh, as it relates to um, kind of familial ties that are uh, benevolent and uh, provide an atmosphere uh, of, of love. Now, without getting too much into the weeds here, during the course of history, if you study religions, worship has tended to exist, which would attribute to the gods that were worshipped some sense of family, but it was more a sense of origin, that uh, we come from this god, but the gods tended to remain pretty distant. Uh, so the family ties that I was just talking to you about, about a, a loving father and mother who sacrificed for their children and there were bonds of affection, this is typically... Uh, not how people grew up worshiping. It was, yeah, we have our origin there, God created us, um, but there's no real uh, sense of compassion or affection there, right? The gods were meant to, what, be appeased. So we would sacrifice. So we could get a good harvest <clears throat> or keep the neighboring tribes from coming to uh, slaughter us. Whatever it may be, we were trying to get on the good side of God's. Well, this is certainly not the case that we see from our scriptures. God certainly reveals himself in very explicit ways that indeed we are sourced out of God. That is our origin, just like the other uh, religious stories will tell you, that our origin uh, exists in God. In fact, uh, John will even talk about this, that uh, you aren't really sourced First in your parents, you're sourced in the Creator. Um, so we certainly have that sense. But in addition to that, it is absolutely evident that God goes to great pains um, to try to make as clear as possible this sense of intimacy, uh, closeness, these bonds of affection that I was speaking about with uh, my earthly parents um, familial ties, that they're very present. And as we're in this season that anticipates the incarnation, 
This is one of those major expressions uh, of God speaking to us in this way, that God becomes one of us, and that Jesus then begins to relate to God as Father, and I'm his son, loads of family imagery there in intimacy, and that Jesus was going to come experience firsthand what it meant to be part of a family. I don't know if you've thought much about that, but the, uh, I mean, it's obvious. Jesus has a mommy and a daddy, and uh, you know, when he's this tall and he's running around outside and uh, falls and uh, bangs up his knee, um, mom comes to soothe him. Dad may be there to help him and guide him, uh, that he began to experience. So I want you to use your imaginations for just a moment. I mean, think about that. The God of all things, of the universe, condescends in a way to become one of us, partly to experience life as we experience it. That is pretty amazing. Usually we want to keep our authority. Gods want to remain above and not really experience so much of that, but remain above things. But our God condescends to become one of us. Well, this really um, came through to me this last week. Mary and I uh, went back to Texas to uh, be part of a, a conference, but also to go see my family. Uh, which we were in San Antonio, drove an hour north to Dripping Springs. Uh, all my siblings and my mom live there. And the afternoon we arrived, um, my brother Eric had arranged uh, for all of the siblings to be there and uh, their wives, their husband. And he got a, a beautiful basin and filled it with warm water and spikenard, uh, which is one of these um, oils. It has an incredible smell to it. And it's got kind of cleansing properties to it. And we put this basin on a little table right in front of my mom. My, my mother suffers from some macular degeneration and she can't see that great. And my eldest brother, Harlan, sat down on the other side of that table and took my mother's hands and put them in the basin and began to wash her hands, saying, these are the hands that held me. These are the hands that fed me for so many years. And then he went into some things personally in his own life that mom had done. And then Eric took his turn. And then my brother Miles took his turn. And then I'm number four, uh, so I got to take my turn. But to sit there and to hold her feeble hands, as we heard in Isaiah, strengthen the feebleness of our bodies, but to, to hold her hands and, and again say, these are the hands that uh, nourished me. These are the hands that drove me halfway across the country to Swanee and dropped me off so I could go to college. And these are the hands that picked up the phone every time I called and felt lost or sad and uh, comforted me. These are the hands that held uh, my four daughters after they were born. These are the hands 
that made Christmas stockings that we still cherish and hang in our home every year. These are the hands that made birth samplers for all of our children that we hang and that remember the connection, this familial connection that we have with you. And so this sense of <clears throat> these bonds of affection uh, that came through in the honoring of my mom, and of course there was a, not a dry eye in the whole place, and then my sister went following me. Um, it was beautiful and it was simple. This is the sense that I want you to get from our Heavenly Father of taking your hands <clears throat> and honoring you. Because how quickly, I know this is true in my own life, we, I will smother my Father's declaration of you are my child with, yes, I, I know, yeah, I'm or, my source is an origin in you, I know that, but it's quite plain that I'm not holy and blameless, uh, God, so I'm not sure you ought to be washing my hands. You see, the real world doesn't work this way, that you pour out compassion on those who haven't done things right. Um, it's almost as if I want to say, <laughs> I know, God, that you uh, created me, but but bless God's heart, you know, you're such an optimist when it comes to me, to, uh, to want to hold my hands. Uh, perhaps if you left your ivory tower and came down here where, and learned how things really work in this world, you wouldn't pour out such compassion on me after all once you got to know who I am. But that's not at all the heart of our Creator. Sure, my mom has, certainly is not blameless, but those things didn't matter as we were honoring her. How often do we give greater weight to the things that we may feel or see according to this world than the divine declaration sounded in Jesus Christ that he is our elder brother and we are joint heirs with him of a God who has come to be part of us and that we are part of his family. And so as our eyes are open to that, our perspective of even our own existence and life changes. This is the meaning of repentance. Have I already told you all about this? It's one of my soapboxes. Um, the word repentance in Scripture is a terrible translation. Horrible. In the Greek, it does not mean that. Repentance means return to penance. Um, that word is metanoia in Greek. And while it may have a sense of being sorrowful for what you've done, which is all we put repentance to, it really means there is something that I've seen in my life and it makes me turn and see life in a completely different way, a radically different way. And as we begin to see our God as one of the, as familial, who loves us with this honoring love, this then is what makes the wilderness and the desert sing. Think of that as maybe the interior state of some of our souls and hearts. It is learning about the goodness and kindness and immense uh, compassion and the bonds of affection of our God who says, you are my child. This makes the desert sing like crazy. This is what brings life to us. 
Because no longer do we have a sense that we must appease God who's up there and distant and maybe we'll scrape by the, by the skin of our teeth or maybe he won't notice me because this person here is so much worse than I am. Why don't you look at this person and I'll just kind of sneak into the back door over here. No. The goodness of God strengthens the feeble hands and firms up the feeble knees. It's what gives us strength to carry on knowing that we are so deeply held and beloved. The Father has embraced us and His Son and declared with as much um, uh, clarity as He can, you are my child. Who else carries that kind of weight? If the Creator of all things is going to declare me His child, why then do I sometimes listen to lightweights who say, yeah, but... Have you done this? Does he really love you? Why do we give other ideas and conceptions or opinions so much of a place of authority in our lives? God has spoken. And he continues to speak to us by his spirit. And I know in my life, I wake up almost every morning thinking, perhaps I ought to listen to him rather than all my objections as to why I shouldn't be as lovable as the next person, but that I am a beloved son. You are a beloved daughter, familial, intimate. That blessing then is given to us for our liberation and life. As I said, my parents wanted a place of thriving for us. It is so much the same. God does this for our liberation and life, for a blooming in the desert for us. Lastly, part of the continuing ed or conference that I was there, Mary and I attended, was for a man who was really important in our lives. We were there celebrating his 70th year in ministry. I think he started preaching at 16. He's 86 years old. And I gave him an icon of St. George and the Dragon. Um, and he, he, he looked at that icon. I wrote him a letter. As, and he, he, he was just pointing to it, saying, this is so beautiful. And I said, for me, that dragon represents the lie of these other voices that tell me you are not enough, Malone. And St. George is defeating that dragon. Jesus Christ defeating that dragon, the one that says, you must have made a mistake, God. But he hasn't. We are enough. You are enough. And he declares his blessing over us so that we can bloom in the desert. Christmas is coming. Emmanuel, God with us. Familial, face to face. It is a declaration that God the Father has embraced you in Jesus Christ. Amen.